You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Previously on Putting It Together. Starting tomorrow night, gatherings with 500 people or more will not be permitted in New York State. We didn't know how quickly it was going to move, quite frankly. I think it took everybody by surprise. I was a little nervous that this might impact us, but didn't really believe it would impact us to this degree. I mean, it was a surprise to everyone. Thinking about how we forecast box office revenue for shows that have not yet started performances, that's the biggest challenge to make those claims to the insurance agents. The funds themselves are going to be fewer. I mean, it's going to take a long time, I think, for things to sort of bounce back. I wouldn't use what Broadway thinks as a barometer of anything. It would be ill-advised for us to plan against any specific opening timeline. The Broadway adaptation of Frozen has taken its final bow. I don't see a world where we cut back this calendar year, which breaks my heart, and I hope to God that I am wrong. Broadway theaters today extended their shutdown through at least January 3rd, but the group that represents Broadway says it may be even longer. It's probably the hardest decision we've made during this entire shutdown because it's six more months. We really have no choice. Hello again, I'm Ollie Southgate and from the Broadway Podcast Network this is Putting It Together and our fourth COVID-19 special. This feels insane to say, but it's been four months since my last update on the impact of coronavirus as it relates to the business side of Broadway shows, and at the time that this episode goes out, it's been six and a half months since Broadway performances were stopped. At the moment, the official word from the league is still that performances are cancelled through the end of this year, with Tuesday, January 5th, 2021 being the earliest date for which you can currently get a ticket for most shows. However, some shows are beginning to break rank. Wicked at the Gershwin was amongst the first to proactively cancel January and February performances without being obligated to do so by the league. Disney's The Lion King and Aladdin are also both currently off sale altogether, with dates from March 17th and March 30th respectively currently being billed on Ticketmaster as going, quote, on sale soon. The date on which those tickets are due to be released is being delayed on a rolling basis. And that's the general rhetoric right now amongst producers and planners and those responsible for bringing Broadway back, that there won't be any one date on which all shows resume performances. Each individual show will make its own choices about when makes the most sense for them to come back. 
Meanwhile, across the pond, Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber recently appeared before the UK government's Department of Culture, Media and Sport, that's DCMS, to talk about the challenges facing the commercial theatre industry worldwide. We were really, really convinced that if we took one of our theatres, and we chose the London Palladium because it's in many ways the most difficult, that we could demonstrate that it was possible for theatres to reopen at full capacity safely, which led to a pilot which we had hoped would be uh, about demonstrating that the theatre could open at capacity. But in fact, it turned into a socially distanced pilot, uh, which really rather proved that it was almost impossible uh, on a number of levels for theatre to work in in that way. The margins are very, very, very tight. I mean, very, very few shows really hit the jackpot in the way that, say, a Hamilton or a Lion King or a Phantom of the Opera do. There comes a point now where we really can't go on much more. And an update from me personally, since I want to make sure we're still talking about this industry crisis in real human terms. A few episodes ago, I mentioned that my employer, the advertising agency AKA, had laid off and furloughed many workers, but that I had held on at reduced hours. In the middle of August, I was also furloughed without pay, and currently I'm relying on the New York State minimum unemployment pay of $504 per week to get by. For a little context, I also live in one of the state's rent-subsidized apartments and pay $1,949 a month to do so, which means that after tax, I'm already in the red on a monthly basis once. I've paid for my housing. I'm doing what I can to get by. I've been fortunate enough to be approved for some emergency funds from the Actors Fund, and my side hustle business in the UK is doing well enough to cover some of the essentials, but it's tough for sure. I've never had to work so hard just to be able to survive at such a basic level, and whilst I know that's going to be an invaluable life experience in the long run, it's incredibly difficult to see it in a positive light right now. In the last COVID-19 special, I spoke to Broadway ticket buyers about how they feel about the current state of Broadway and what coming back might look like. Today, for our October 2020 episode, I'm talking to furloughed and laid-off Broadway employees, both the ones that are planning to come back to the industry on the other side of all this, and perhaps more importantly, importantly, the ones who have decided that this is the last straw for them in terms of career instability. We're talking about the real impact of this on the livelihoods of individuals and their families in New York, and what Broadway's workforce needs in order to be able to survive this and bring Broadway back to life whenever the time comes. So thank you, as always, for joining me for putting it together, the COVID-19 specials, episode four. As with the Broadway ticket buyers who I spoke to last time, I started by asking everyone to introduce themselves. Who are they and what were they doing on Broadway before the shutdown? Hi, my name is Brooke Smith. My name is Dominic Barbaro. My name is Emily Powerosnik. My name is James Canal. My name is Megan Dixon. My name is Michael Rudd, and until the Broadway shutdown began, I was the associate company manager of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Marketing manager at On the Rialto. An account executive at Art House. The assistant company manager of the Come From Away North American Tour. Deputy general manager at the Lyric Theater with Ambassador Theater Group. I was an account supervisor at AKMYC, and now I'm currently furloughed. Furloughed, laid off. Furloughed. Furloughed. Furloughed until performances resume. Right now, I want to take a second to say how grateful I am that this month's guests all agreed to speak to me and to the show's listeners at such a stressful time. I've worked with all of them in some capacity or another. They're all amazing at their jobs, and like me, like millions of people around the world, all they really want is to get back to work in some form. 
With the introductions out of the way, I asked them all to explain what their early experiences were of first hearing about COVID and thinking about how it might impact their particular line of work. The answer for many was the same as mine. They didn't really think it would. The first I heard of it was probably early to mid-January. And based on the information that was available at that point, I honestly didn't think it would have an impact on Broadway or the theater industry at all. I remember other fairly recent pandemics and epidemics like bird flu and swine flu and Ebola that all made headlines for a short while, but ultimately didn't have an impact on my day-to-day life. And those that happened while I've been in the industry had little to no effect on the way we did our business. So I, at the time, thought that COVID would be very much the same Obviously, in hindsight, I couldn't have been more wrong. The first like really specific thing I remember is I was working on Girl from the North Country, which I just loved so much. And I'm glad at least four weeks of people got to see it before um, they'll get to see it again eventually one day on Broadway. But I had been setting up tickets for partners and, you know, some potential sponsors and things. And I had someone who I've invited to shows quite a few times give me a call and say hey, you know, I don't really feel comfortable coming to the theater right now. So I think I'll just hold off and maybe come back to you in a couple months. And I remember at that time, just thinking like, that's crazy. Like, you know, I was like, this person's really paranoid. I'm, you know, sad they're not going to come to the show for this reason. And then, wow, how how right she was. It saved me in another email a couple weeks later uh, that she wouldn't be able to come. But I think then I was talking to my boss, starting to share concerns of not necessarily that the shut down was going to happen, but we were really starting to get paranoid about public confidence, especially with a new show opening up. At first, it was denial. Whenever anyone in the office would start talking about it, I would say, please stop. I can't think about that. The thought of it was so overwhelming to me that I just like pushed it away and didn't even think about it for a while. But then it started coming up in meetings and clients started raising concerns. And even before the shutdown, just like it slowly became more and more of a topic. And I started to realize, like, this is going to affect Broadway. I knew it would be an impact, but I could never have imagined it being this much. In March and April, there was just so much unknown about what this virus was, what precautions worked truly or didn't work. Now, like, masks are such a huge part of my life right now. In March, I would have never have told you that I would put a mask on my face. It's just something that I would have never have thought I would have needed. Really, the first thing I remember talking about vividly was a conversation in my office in February with my company manager that I work with. And I remember him saying, this might really affect us. We might have an interruption in the tour. And I just remember being completely disbelieving of that. But look where we are now. That conversation just seems so silly in the grand scheme of things. There was a lot of just trying to scramble around and figure out what was going on. And lots of people had lots of questions uh, that we couldn't really answer. You know, do we need gloves? Oh, we don't need gloves. Okay, should we have gloves? Who should wear the gloves? Should we get some hand sanitizer? Yes, I think we should. Who should have the hand sanitizer? Where should that go? So it was a lot of scrambling around trying to figure that out and trying to answer questions that I just really didn't have the answers to. There was a lot of people looking to us and administrators really to know more than we could have possibly known. To a degree, we were just reading the same news as everyone else. So I kind of got to the point where I was like, can we please just make a decision here? Can we just shut down and stop talking about this? Because it seems like this is beyond the scope of what any of us can handle right now to keep everyone safe. So 
once they announced that we were going to close, I was actually kind of relieved, like, okay, good. Now we have some direction. We can start to get this thing under control and it'll be what it'll be. We leave Houston with the tour um, and we're just doing a really quick jump to Dallas, Texas. We were playing the music hall. I remember starting to look at the box office figures that week. And there's something in the numbers when you're looking at it called the drop count. It's the count of actual bodies whose tickets were scanned into the theater that night. And generally, you'll look for maybe like a 5% drop. And that first Tuesday night, I, I noticed that it was a little less than we normally saw. The next night, Wednesday, I remember the drop significantly lowering compared to the night before. And then the following evening, Thursday, that was when it was announced that Broadway was shutting down. And that's when it really hit us. We knew it was only a matter of time and we were just waiting for that news. We started working from home on March 11th. March 10th was our last day in the office. And I remember we had a client meeting on the 11th that was still in person and I wanted to go in person. But they said, no, we have to be home. We have to be safe. And we were one of the earlier companies that shut down the physical office space. So I was already working from home on the day that Broadway shut down on the 12th. We were actually in the middle of a technical rehearsal on Thursday, March 12th, when the news of the shutdown broke, which needless to say was heartbreaking. And then I was furloughed the next day and packed up a few personal items from my desk and left fully believing that I would only be gone for the four weeks that were initially announced at the beginning of this. Once April started, um, we were all put on reduced hours and reduced pay, and then I was told that I would be placed on furlough for a month initially, but as Broadway's return kept being pushed and postponed, I was informed that my furlough would be indefinitely. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Trying to figure out who was going to get paid what and what was going on with benefits and crunching a lot of numbers to give to the show and just looking at all these different cost scenarios. That was about a month of doing that of just trying to get all of those little ducks in a row before they announced that they were going to furlough. The administrative staff, of course, at that point, a lot of the support staff was gone. I sort of expected to be furloughed. I thought that was what was probably going to happen for the health of the company, that they wouldn't be able to keep everybody on payroll. So it wasn't a total shock when that happened. I would say for the first month, it was some of the busiest times I've ever had working on Broadway. In like a really sad way, you know, not the fun stuff like planning an opening night, but really just how do we save all our ships? I found out early May I was going to get furloughed. When I got the tour, I gave up my apartment. So I, I didn't have a place to really go back to that was mine. And that really just hit me <laughs> all at once um, with the anxiety of the situation and knowing that, you know, I really didn't have my personal ducks in a row to go quarantine somewhere and have that be my space. Towards the very beginning of quarantine, I started experiencing symptoms of COVID. 
I uh, woke up and could not smell or taste anything. And I um, immediately entered a complete and total isolation for two weeks while I waited for my symptoms to go away. Once I had gotten over that hurdle, I started babysitting my niece Uh, my sweet angel baby niece, which was a total joy. Because of my hours as a company manager, I don't get to see my family that often. And I certainly would never be able to spend the amount of time with my niece that I have over the past few months, just because the schedule is so demanding. And it's not always easy to see my family. I had started talking about doing a podcast with my friend Holly, back in October. Our goal was to get it up this spring. And I remember when everything rolled out, we were like, well, maybe we should wait. And then we're like, wait, this is actually the perfect time because we both have a lot more time than we've ever had to start getting this rolling. I really appreciated, especially after getting furloughed, I was able to put a lot more time into you know, a project I was pretty passionate about. And um, the podcast is called Thesis on Joan. And if you love queer folks and you love theater, it's it's a great podcast to check out. You know, it feels like something fun that I get to do. Whereas if I had been doing it during a Tony season, I don't know if I could honestly say that. We are so busy, right? As New Yorkers, certainly as theater people, we just go, 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 never have a day off. So it was actually really nice to sort of have adult summer vacation for a little while. I'm like, okay, I'm going to clean out this closet. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to focus on these little projects that just never quite get done because you're just too busy. I did quite a bit of that in the beginning. You know, just reconnecting also with family and friends, having the time to actually spend on the phone or on FaceTime. You don't have time for a four-hour phone conversation with someone normally, and then all of a sudden you do. So that was nice. I've been spending time reconnecting with people. I've also been working on a family cookbook, actually, as a little side project. As I was speaking to my cousins who really don't cook, but, you know, I think everyone was sort of looking for a little piece of comfort, especially in the beginning. And they started to be craving, you know, grandma's meatloaf or whatever. And so I thought, you know what, even if people don't really want to spend a lot of time cooking these recipes, it would be nice to put a book together for everybody to have a record of all of these recipes that I have. So I've been hounding my relatives and friends to give me the recipes they have squirreled away in drawers and whatnot. And I'm gonna put a book together for everybody for Christmas. There's two big things that I've been doing um, that have been relatively new to my life that have really become something that I never would have thought I would have loved or enjoyed. Running, it's been amazing. (laughs) I run probably six to seven days a week. I probably ran once every other week before March. So yeah, it's just, it's completely become a part of my daily routine and what gives me something to look forward to at the end of the day. And it's something for me, which I really appreciate and enjoy. I also have started baking. Uh, So running and baking have become two new things in my life. I mean, I'm someone who always appreciates um, my friendships and the relationships I have with people. And I think all of this time at home, things like Zoom gatherings or other get-togethers virtually and finding ways to maintain your relationships and stay in communication with the people that support you. I've been doing a lot of that, which has been really helpful. Um, Also being able to connect with people that are far away that usually you don't get to talk to as much, but because Zoom has kind of become the norm for socializing, I've been able to stay more in touch with those people, which has been really, really fun. I've also been taking a lot of walks. Like I live very close to all these beautiful parks that I barely ever went to before quarantine. And now that I have all this free time, I'll walk to the George Washington Bridge or walk all the way to Central Park or sort of 
experience the beauty of the city that I usually just am on the subway and not paying attention to my surroundings and TikTok. I'm always on TikTok. (laughs) I've grown a lot personally. Um, I've been able to process emotions that I haven't really had time or energy to process in a very long time. And and being able to space that out and give those emotions time to breathe um, has been really beneficial for me. And you know, I've really learned the value of family. I've learned the value of self-care and making sure that you implement self-care on a daily basis. Once I got back to my hometown, you know, and knowing that I would be there for a bit, I started thinking about, okay, what are what are other things that I can do that I normally don't have time to do? Um, I got LASIK surgery, which is kind of life-changing. Um, I never thought I'd be able to see anything, and um, here we are getting into fitness and getting outside, hiking, biking, swimming, seeing family in socially distanced ways and making sure we're being safe. But I'm filling the time well, but also not going crazy. (laughs) The other positive that I would say I've taken from this time is just taking a step back from the work. I think that it's very easy in this industry in particular to get bogged down in the work and to believe that your work is the most important thing in the world. And this has given me a sense of perspective. There is no work. So something else has to be important. I've spent too much of my time at parties or at dinners with my friends, frantically refreshing my email or worrying about something on my desk that I didn't get to before the end of the day. And uh, this has given me a chance to unplug a bit and uh, reprioritize some things in my life. So those are the positives, and I wanted to make sure to start with those. But what about the negatives? Of course, the list of stresses and anxiety inducers over the last six months is endless. So I asked my guests if they could name the number one thing that stays top of mind for them. I think the hardest thing for me was I had a, like all of us, I had a bunch of trips lined up. Um from March until now. And three of those were for big family events to see my family in either Ohio or Arizona and having to not only cancel those, but wonder like, when am I going to be safely able to go see my family again was really hard. But I'm recording this now from Arizona where I drove across the country to see my family which is something I would have not had the time to do (laughs) if we were in a typical Broadway season. So it was, you know, it was really sad up until that point, but I'm glad we were, my uh, girlfriend and I were able to do that and kind of find a solution. But at the same time, when we leave here, it's, it's hard to know, um, you know, what kind of world we'll be living in next year. Will I be able to come home for Christmas? Will I be able to, come back from my sister's graduation, you know, lots of those kind of like personal family things, I I think is what has been the hardest. Financial strain is definitely at the top of my list. Also, just as a theater professional and a theater fan, the future of theater as a whole really stresses me out, both from the professional and from the fan side of that. Truly feeling in a constant state of limbo because things have felt very much out of my control. I think now being October, I'm really starting to think about how to feel and gain some control back in my life. You know, there was a lot of unknowns in March, April, May, June about 
Broadway about would I stay in my apartment in Hoboken? I didn't know at those times what the next three, four months would bring. The amount of unanswered questions felt confining and defining. I think the most important thing that I've learned through this is that I'm not defined by my job um, and I'm not defined by being furloughed from my job. I feel like for a, for most of this time, us on Broadway at least have been sort of just waiting for the queue to go back to work. And increasingly it is feeling like this is not going to be over anytime soon. This could be a year, it could be two years, it could be longer, no one knows. So that is a source of anxiety for me personally, is trying to figure out at what point do you say you have to switch careers and you need to find a new direction in your life permanently. So that's that's causing a lot of anxiety for sure, as I think it is for a lot of people. And herein lies another big question. For those of us being asked to wait patiently for the comeback to be able to resume work, can we actually do that in practice? Or are we simply going to have to move on to something else for the sake of either our sanity or our wallets? This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I don't feel like I'm ready to give up on Broadway. I'm not ready to give up on theater either. I have a couple other interests that, you know, I may pursue either short or long term. I'm not sure yet. But for me, it's just trying to figure out, like, what is it that I can do and uh, how can I do that? I've spent, you know, I'm just turned 41. I have spent my adult life working in the theater and building up a resume in the theater. And I think it's a little different if you're 22 to be able to say, well, I'm just starting out anyway. Let me take stock of all the different interests and skills that I have and see if there's somewhere else I can head. And I have a couple of possibilities, but honestly, like what I'm really great at is running a Broadway theater. So I would hope to do that again at some point. So we shall see. <laughs> it's tough because, sure, you could change careers. I, I don't know how many of our hearts would be in that. You know, Ollie, you and I both worked or are currently working at an advertising agency doing data analytics um, and digital media consultation. You know, uh, there are there are plenty of non-theater digital marketing jobs that I could look at right now, you know, and there's there's certainly some freelance work that I'm doing, but it's just kind of on the side and, and, you know, as people need help and um, or are strapped with I'm finding a lot of businesses are just strapped for cash right now, don't really want to hire even if they can, they don't really think they should. So that's it's tough for everybody, even if you want to change careers, it's not an easy thing to do, especially in this climate. But I do want to say 
all of us have very strong skill sets and we shouldn't feel like that's not transferable. I want people to feel empowered that they can do whatever they set their minds to do and not discouraged that they put their whole life and livelihood on Broadway and, and they have to wait for it to come back to start something. I have considered moving on to a different industry and I honestly think people have to. You know, I think it really depends upon your situation and I really think it depends upon how you feel. But for me, I would love for Broadway to be back. I want to go back to work. I want to be at what was my dream job that I worked so hard to get to and to get to that point. But I don't know how much longer I personally can wait. I have considered other jobs reluctantly. The main reason I work in advertising at all is because of my passion for theater. It's not like I have a, I had a passion for advertising and ended up doing it for theater. I had a passion for theater and ended up doing advertising for theater. So that's how I ended up where I was for the past three years. So now I sort of accidentally have three years of digital advertising experience on my resume, which qualifies me to apply for advertising in other fields. And we had a couple non-theater clients, which I can leverage to work in advertising in other fields, but that's not what I'm passionate about. That's not what I want to do at all. It's just what I'm the most qualified to do that will pay me at this time, which I need. So I very reluctantly am considering careers outside of theater. And when the time comes that theater is back in business, I would not be reluctant to drop whatever new job I have found and try to find my way back into the theater. I think no matter what logic tells me, I just I'm sure you've gone through this, too. Um, just like looking at what the other options are. I am so like stupidly specifically qualified to work in theater. And I mean, that that's by design, right? My entire life has been loving theater and then finding a way to be a part of it. So not only logically does it not make a ton of sense for me to do anything else. Uh, I mean, what am I going to do with all of these like lyrics and random theater facts in my brain? But also, I, I just I know that what I do for theater, I probably wouldn't be as passionate about marketing Advil, right? Or marketing tablecloths. You know, I, I, what I do is it's much of a, a calling, I, I think, as it is a job. Um, I've enjoyed the teaching side hustle, but I'm, I'm going to be back to theater as soon as I can be. Some days I wake up and, and threaten myself with the possibility of making a, a career change. There's no doubt about it that theater is my first love. And really, it's the only thing I've ever known. It's the only professional experience that I have. But I keep trying to tell myself that it doesn't have to be my only love, that there could be other things out there that would work for me. The other struggle in that regard is convincing outside industries that my skill set is applicable to their jobs. I think that a lot of people really view theater as a highly specialized field. And to some extent it is, but a lot of what I've learned over my 12 plus years in the industry, a lot of those skills are applicable elsewhere. I know they are. I just don't know how to put it into words to someone else who works in an industry that I have no experience in. One of the reasons that I'm, I'm in Los Angeles right now is television and film industries are allowed to come back. The studios were shut down um, in June. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, signed off on parameters for TV and film production to reopen in California. Things are slow. There aren't a lot of 
things going into production, but some things is certainly better than no things. So I'm kind of out here um, doing freelance work, enjoying L.A., but also keeping my mind open if um, any film or TV production stuff comes out. Let's say there's a six-week shoot in the fall for something and I can work in production and use my logistics management skills from doing the Come From Away tour to do a show that's still in a creative industry. I'll, I will feel so fulfilled by that. And it would check off so many boxes for me. So... That's something that, I, that I'm seeking and looking to. I don't think it means I'm totally changing my career or I don't want to go back to come from away because neither of those things is true. But I am trying to see if I can find any hidden opportunities in this moment. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, we've now gone six and a half months without performances, not just here on Broadway, but across the country and around the world. And as things stand, we still don't really know how much longer we're waiting until we can fully plan to come back. The range of dates among industry insiders right now run the gamut from spring of 2021 to fall of 2022, but truthfully, either end of that spectrum is still a guess. Fundamentally, a vaccine lies at the heart of any plan to come back, and now the conversations from healthcare experts are moving to reminding the public that the first vaccine may not be the most effective one, and that getting doses of it out to the population of not just the US, but the whole world will take a great deal of time in and of itself. The good news is that Broadway's workforce is largely undeterred. Most, if not all, including myself, are willing to go elsewhere to earn a living for now and return as soon as the show can go on. I finished by asking my guests when, as things stand, they think that might be. My best guess would be summer of 2021. I feel like I push this back every week, right? It's like, <laughs> it's such a moving target. But I think if I had to make a guess right now, I would say summer 2021. Right now, I think that May 2021 could be reopening with extreme precautions. Until someone comes up with some brilliant ideas about how to drastically cut costs, then I think what we're waiting for then at that point is for everybody to be able to come back business as usual. And that does feel really, really far away at this point. I am hopeful for fall, but I don't know. I really look forward to the day that, that we get to start. And it's going to take a lot of the best people we know and have to get us back up to the point where pre-pandemic, we were at the best attendance Broadway has ever seen. And it's going to take good people to get back to that. What I want Broadway workers to know is that we are so much more than Broadway workers. We are the hardest and most passionate people, and that should not be overlooked. Putting It Together is produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals for the Broadway Podcast Network. Our theme music is by Eulis Pekan, with additional music in this episode from Drew Masters, Remember the Future, and the Symphonic Collective. Artwork and editing is by me, Ollie Southgate, and if you're a Broadway business professional who wants to contribute their voice to the show, or if you have any other feedback, you can reach me on Twitter, I'm at Ollie Southie, or you can find my contact details through my website at ollysouthgate.com. In both cases, my name is spelled with an I-E, not a Y. I'll be back on the first Friday of next month, so that's Friday, November 6th. But until then, thank you as always for listening, and goodbye.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.